Psalm 58 is a song of final judgment. A song of final judgment. And looking forward to the final judgment, for some, it will be sweet. But for others, it will be severe. If you have found grace at the cross of Christ, that judgment will be sweet. Because you've experienced, you've encountered the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. But if you've never come to the cross of Christ, you don't know that grace and mercy. And your judgment will be severe. And it is of that severe judgment that David writes. Very sobering psalm, but one that is good for us to take a moment and of sober reflection upon the song of final judgment. Interesting, in the superscription, it tells us this song was to be set to the tune of Al-Tasheth, which literally is, Do Not Destroy. Little irony there, I think. A song about final judgment to be sung to the tune of Do Not Destroy. Let's look at verses 1 to 5 and see the protest. Do you indeed speak righteousness, O gods? Do you judge up rightly, O sons of men? No. In your heart you work unrighteousness. On earth you weigh out the violence of your hands. The wicked are estranged from the womb. These who speak lies go astray from birth. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like a deaf cobra that stops, us, or stops up its ears so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or a skillful caster of spells. Now David launches into an attack right out the gate on the wicked here. Do you speak righteousness? Literally, do you speak rightly? Do you speak in accord with God's law? No, you don't. Now, before we get too far, let's deal with that term gods, okay? These gods, quote-unquote, do not speak in accord with God's law. Now, the term gods here, hilem, does not refer to gods as in other gods besides the one true God. There's only one true God. This term, hilam, can be used sometimes in Scripture of angels, uh, but also of people particularly judges, human judges. And so it's interesting, do you speak in accord with God's law? That's what righteousness is. Righteousness is the, and, and, uh, the expression of God's law. Do you human judges speak rightly in accordance with God's law? No, you don't. Now, how do we know that he's talking about human judges? How do we know the term gods here, Elam, Elam rather, is talking about people? Let's now go to the next statement, the parallel statement. Remember the Psalms, everything's parallelism. Do you judge, okay, there's the idea of judgment, uprightly, do you judge righteously? Now notice the next phrase, O sons of men. So do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly? O gods, O son of men. So again, very clearly here, we're dealing with human judges judging righteously or judging according to God's law. The answer is no. They do not judge equally. They do not judge righteously. They do not judge uprightly. They do not judge with equity. And so in verse 3 to 5, David offers his case for an indictment against them. He says the depths of their evil goes back to the womb. They're literally wicked. They are estranged in the womb. That word estranged means to become strangers 
Strangers of who? Of God, of righteousness, of God's covenant, of God's people. Literally, the moment they're conceived, they've gone astray, is the picture that David is laying out here. And from the time their mouth opened, they are speaking lies, which really is a description of the original sin. Original sin was a lie. They're in the garden, as God said. Then David employs some very unique imagery here to describe the evil of these wicked men. And I love that he goes right to a serpent. What form did Satan take in the garden? A serpent. And the serpent lied. And so, you know, talking about the father of all lies, his children are just like snakes like him. They're poison. Is the venom of their lies. Their lies are poisonous. They're like a deaf cobra. They don't hear the voice of the charmer. All right, you know, you can picture the charmer there and playing the tune on his little horn and, and you know, the snake, uh, you know, moving in time. Of course, really, it has nothing to do with the tune. It's the, 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 the cobra is tracking the movement of the individual playing the horn. He doesn't hear it at all. And so David says, just like the deaf cobra, uh, these wicked judges, these evil people, cannot hear the truth. They're just casters of spells. They lie so much, they're deaf like a cobra, and their, their, their words are like the magicians who think they can control the, you know, they'll cast a spell and just control the situation. They're trying to use their words to control their situation, and they're just telling one lie after the next, after the next, to control the situation. Now, look at the punishment in verse 6 to 8. Oh, God, shatter their teeth in their mouth. Break out the fangs of the young lions, O oh Lord. This is violent here, folks. Let them flow away like the waters that run. You know, I just got to stop here for a moment. Shatter their teeth. He wants God. Here's the picture. God, come down, take your fist, and crack them in their jaw. Break every tooth in their mouth. Wow. Okay. Let them flow away like the waters that run off. Went, runs off. When he aims his arrow, let them be as a heedless shaft. Let them be as a snail which melts away as it goes along, like the miscarriage of a woman which never sees the sun. Again, this is some violent stuff here, Lord. But yet, that's the words that God has put in his book. David calls for God to intervene by breaking the teeth. And he, now, instead of calling them uh, uh, snakes, he calls them lions. Again, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Isn't it interesting? Okay, the illusions we have here. You know, Peter wasn't the first one to come up with that idea. David used it here back in, uh, in the Psalms. Lord, only you can handle this evil. Now, the series of images continues in verse 7. He wants them to flow away as waters that run off. In other words, the runoff from, from a rainstorm. And when they fight with their bow, he says, Lord, make, let their arrows break. Take their power to do harm away. And again, this was, the, this was their lies. Their, their, their lies were powerful, but David wants those lies taken away. And you almost have to stop and wonder if he's not dealing with whoever this supposed enemy was back from the previous Psalms, I think Psalm 55, um, if, if the lies that this individual wasn't be, was telling isn't the object of this very Psalm. He continues with more metaphors in verse 8. He wants them to be like the snail, 
which leaves a slimy track behind. Okay? You know, Lord, I want them to be nothing more than the slime left behind a snail. Lord, I want them to be nothing more than a stillborn child. That, that, that's... I don't even have words for that. Let's move along. All these cry to God for judgment. And it reveals to us that only divine intervention can stop the wickedness of the lies of this world. Folks, lies are spiritual warfare. And we can only fight it spiritually. You know, too often we, we try to employ psychological techniques or monetary power or appeals to human emotions to try to turn back the powers of darkness. And it's all vanity. It's all vain. It's all worthless. As D, Jesus told the disciples when they tried to cast out a demon and couldn't, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. The only way you're going to defeat the lies of the enemy, the only way you're going to defeat the spiritual warfare is through prayer. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. Before your pots can feel the fire of thorns, you will sweep them away with a whirlwind, the green and the burning alike. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Boy, David is confident here in God. Before your pots can feel the fire of thorns, uh, the great, literally, I don't, you know, it says the green thorns burning. What's that mean? Okay, here, here's how, it, how we need to take that. David's literally saying here, God's judgment is going to come in less time than it takes to kindle a cooking fire of green wood or of fresh wood. The wicked are going to be gone as with a whirlwind. He's literally just going to take his broom and sweep them out the way. He's going to sweep the house clean with his broom. God's judgment is going to come and they're going to vanish. And when they do, then we, the righteous, we who belong to the covenant, will rejoice. Listen, we are going to rejoice at God's judgment over the wicked, at his vengeance. And in a bold image, and David's had a lot of them in, this, uh, in these few verses here, but in verse 10, wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Boy, that, that, that's, a, that's a, a, a character there, character for uh, or symbol for their humiliation and destruction. You know, they're, they're, we're, we're going to wash our feet in their blood. They're just going to be laid waste. We're just going to be white, white, walking right through them. Just walking through their carcasses. And again, I mean, for our sensibilities, wow, that's, that's horrific. That's horrible. That's disgusting. Yes, uh, but in the Middle Eastern mindset, uh, no, that, that was a sign of victory. That was a sign of humiliating your enemy, of destroying your enemy. The response to God's judgment is that people will confess the right, that the righteous are going to be, those that that's morally right people are going to be rewarded. They're going to receive fruit. The reward is not going to be destruction, but in vindication. Men will say, surely he is our God who judges the earth. The lies, the false judgments of these evil judges, of these sons of men are over. God is going to answer the cry for judgment. He's going to offer a final resolution. And he will deal with them. Folks, we need to take a moment and praise God that God's wrath has been laid upon Jesus. And because we've come to Jesus in repentance and by faith, 
the final judgment against us, the judgment of God's wrath has been lifted. But friends, at the same time, the door to the house of God is not always going to be open. If you're listening and you're rejecting the Son of God, you will be on the receiving end of the judgment of this psalm. This is a warning. It's a call. Flee to the Savior while there's yet time. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, again, we just want to give you the thanks and the praise to be the recipient of your grace and of your mercy, to know that forgiveness, to know, Lord, that we will not experience a a severe final judgment, but, Father, rather, it'll be a time of rejoicing for us. Father, if there's someone listening that's never come to your Son, I pray, Lord, that even now they might repent of their sin and place their faith in your Son's work on the cross, that he died, that he shed his blood, that he was buried, that he rose again three days later according to the Scriptures. Father, I pray that you might rescue them before it's too late, that they might cry out to you. And so, Father, we pray for those, while it is yet day, that you might bring them to repentance, you might bring them to faith. And Lord, at the same time, we also rejoice. Because, Father, while there are times it's difficult going through this world, while it is hard at times to hear the lies and aggravating as it may be, Lord, the injustice that is surrounding us, We know that, Father, those who are unjust, those who are being unjust to others, that, Lord, you will deal with them and you will bring them to the day of final judgment. And it will not be pleasant. And so, Father, we thank you for that, that we can rest in that great promise of future deliverance. We pray in your Son's name. Amen.